You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I have two questions for you as we get started. Uh, the first one is, is this. When is the last time that you succeeded in something? That you had like the upper hand uh, in comparison to like your friends or those around you? Uh, w- when you? When you felt confident in something, like something that you had done or something that you had, um, when is the last time that you did that? When is the last time that you felt the upper hand of those around you? And then, and then a, a question to kind of help sift through that. Um, did it lead you to pride? Hey, look how great I am because I have something that they don't. Or, or did it lead you um, to give thanks? Thanks be to God for these things that I have. Second question, when is the last time you said something like this? I am weak, and I need help. Gosh, in yourself, I, I'm weak, I need help. Maybe you said it to someone around you, which is a little more difficult. Hey, hey, I, I can't, uh, I, I don't have, I, I, need, I need you to help me. Or, or when's the last time you said that to God himself with no one else around? God, I can't, but I know that you can. I'm weak, but I know that you're strong. When's the last time you said that? And then, and then a follow-up to that, did it lead you to feel crushed when you had to say that? When you, when you had to get something done or you had to get something achieved or something accomplished and you just couldn't do it in your own hands and you had to say, look, I, I need help. Did that crush you? Or did that lead you to right where you need to be? Right? Uh, this past week, I got to spend 24 hours in Lansing, Michigan with, uh, it was an X-29, it's the church planting network that we're a part of, um, lead pastors retreat literally 24 hours together, um, and, and uh, church, uh, you can shoot this picture up there, uh, yeah, so there we are, there's all of us, all right, we didn't do that graffiti that was already done, so, um, so you can just leave that up there as I'm talking about this. So church planters, uh, they're a little different breed, they're often kind of pioneers, so, so sometimes they have vision to see what what yet isn't all right and so uh, jokingly you, you go through a town and and we're always like looking at like storefronts and you think like oh man like a, a church could meet in there you know like what is this where anybody would just say this is this desolate wasteland you're like hey i could probably plant a church there you know like um and so uh uh but that doesn't mean that that the people in that room or, or in that picture are more spiritual just just naive enough to say yeah I think, I think we'll give it a shot, right? And so there are four great joys in my life that, that have come from pastoring this church for nearly a decade now. And the first one is, is my, my family, my wife and my kids, right? I love you all. Hey, thanks for sitting in the front today. It's super special. Um, so for, for years, people would say, like, how's the church going? Or, or how are things? And, and like, Number one, like, my wife loves me, and she loves the church, and she loves Jesus, and, and, and I think that's true for my kids as well. Like, that, that seems like it could go without saying. That is not to go without saying, all right? Um, the second thing is uh, the elders that I get to serve and lead with, all right? And that's, that's uh, Scott and Matt and, and Adam. Like, 
for, for real, I want you guys to know that we, we don't just play games and, and talk one another up. Those men shape me in my life to make me uh, a better husband and a better dad and a better a disciple of Jesus and a better servant and a better leader, all right? And so legitimately, when I look back at 10 years, I say, man, those people, they, they make me what, what I am. They, they've been used by the Lord. The third thing that I'm thankful for is, is every one of you. And I would say the same about you, that you challenge me and you convict me and you encourage me and all of those things, all right? And the fourth thing is, is the people in this picture, all right? And, and we've grown over the years in, in Acts 29, but, but as I think about like what, what it looks like to, to do this as we do and, and to grow up, and I'm, I'm nearly missing. Sheesh. Um, I'm not 14, all right? Uh, and so, but, but when I get to spend time with those people, all right, I'm, 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 uh, I'm in a room that, that's filled with humility and grace, and, and those men ha- have matured, and, and they help me mature, and, and we're growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus together. But there's something shared among everyone in that, that picture, and that's this deep desire for success, all right? That, that's, that's like filled with ambition to do great things, all right? And, and it looks all different for all of us, uh, uh, but, but and, and there's like this, this pendulum that swings back and forth, and for some of those people, that success is, is outward success and, and what people think, and, and, and for some of us, it's inward success, like what, what we think and, and what it looks like to win and what it looks like to, to achieve, all right? Uh, and at times, it's self-serving, and, and at times, it's, it's rooted as it should be in, in giving God all the glory, right? We want to be strong, strong leaders, strong servants, strong men of integrity, dads, pastors, preachers, influencers, and in, in the influence that God has given us. And at the same time, we want to be weak, dependent, humble, confessing who we are not for the sake of who God is, right? And, and that's true for, for all of us, whether we're in this photo or not. But, but the dangers, they lie in these exact ambitions, right? It's the motive behind why we want to do what we do, and when we uh, demonstrate those, those seeds of, of flesh for, for worldly success, for worldly gain, and when those seeds turn into to fruits of flesh, then, then the stage is, is set for destruction. All right? There's, there's danger. Or those ambitions could land us right where God wants us, humbly dependent in success or in failure. So one of the guys at the, uh, the conference we were at, he, he shared his story, and he basically said that he went after much, and, and by God's grace, he gained much, all right? And his, his church grew, and, and he began to have some uh, regional um, influence and some leadership, and, and, and just his, his influence, gosh, why is it that, that God has given me all this, and, and I want more? Or I'm fearful that I'm going to lose what I already have. And then, and then there are people on the other side of that spectrum in the, in the same room that, that share just the opposite, that they're filled with unsatisfied un- and failure. And one of the things that this guy said, he says, he quoted Alistair Begg, and this is what he said. He said, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. So today we get to read God's word through Paul. And we're going to hear Paul as he's writing to the Corinthians, as he's defending himself uh, to these people uh, and, and those that are trying to pull them away from, from the truth of the gospel, trying to pull them away from, from Paul's influence, we're going to hear Paul say things like this. 
I will boast, uh, I, I will not boast except in my weakness. Right? Then he's going to say, uh, God's response to him was, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then we're going to hear Paul say, I will boast more gladly in my weakness. And then we're going to hear him say, I am content with weaknesses, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And every one of those lines, it kind of smashes us in the face. Because uh, it, it doesn't make sense to think that way in a world that boasts in strength. Or, or inside our own hearts, which thirst for success and power and competence. But if we're living under Christ's rescue and His redemption, then whether we're on top of the world in the successes of whatever it is that we're pursuing, or if we're at the, the end of our rope and our deepest despair of weakness and failure, there is no better place to be than face-to-face with weakness. And that's the big idea that we're looking at today, that there is, there is no better place to be than face-to-face with weakness. And we're going to do this a little differently today. I'm going to, if you have a Bible, please open it up. I'm going to spend some time just kind of working through this text, and then we'll ask two questions on the back end of it. Um, so, so don't get frustrated if, if I read like one word and then talk about it, okay, for 15 minutes, because that's what we're going to do. So, and kids are like, oh, great, this is, this looks what we do in our kitchen. This is normal. Um, so this is Paul, and, and he's, he's, he's trying to, uh, again, defend himself on many terms uh, to, to gain, uh, to regain influence over these people and point them back to the truth of Jesus. And this is what he says, I, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. So he said this many times, but he's saying, fine, I don't want to fight on your terms, but if I were fighting on your terms, sure, let's go to boasting. And, and then he says this, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So, so it's as if he's been hearing of, uh, let's say, a list of five things that he's been tearing down one by one, and now he's like on to the next bullet point. Okay, to, to visions and revelations, right? And, and these people that are influencing you, they're, they're boasting in much. Uh, okay, so, so let me boast of, of what God has given me, to visions and revelations. Now we have to understand who he's writing to. These are the Corinthians, and, and he's already written a couple letters to them, and in the first letter, do you know what he did? He, he basically spent a ton of, of ink telling them uh, not to seek after the things of God at the expense of God himself. All right? And so we have all these writings in 1 Corinthians about spiritual gifts and about, about things. And, and what Paul's trying to do is those things are good because they're from the Lord for the building up of the church, but they are not for you so that you might boast. And so he's writing to the same people who are drawn to the same things. And you might say, gosh, these people, they, they were seeking after like the ultra spiritual stuff, but, but I'm glad that people don't do that today, but, but that's not true. See, this wasn't anything new then, and it's not anything new now. And let me give you a few examples. I don't think I'll tick anyone off, but I might, and I'm okay with that. So here's the thing. There's this church out west, and we'll call it, um, we'll call it Bethel Church, and, and a movement around that, all right? And they produced a lot of good music and, and lots of things, and they have a, a ton of influence. But here's the thing. They, they teach some things in their uh, school of supernatural ministry that, that literally, if, if the people of Corinth that Paul's writing to were here now, they, they would probably move out west to chase it, all right? And so just to give you an idea, t- today what that looks like is 
during, during worship gatherings, like gold dust falls from the, the ceiling and, and people breathe this gold dust in that, that's finer than glitter. All right? And they use that as an opportunity to talk about God manifesting himself. And, and as they're praying, many have claimed that, that gems have fallen before them, like gem stones, all right? That they had appraised for, for nearly a million dollars. And one guy said, this is impossible for you to have because it's just too perfect that you might have this gemstone that, that when you were standing and singing just like we were just 15 minutes ago, that you would look down and you would find literally rubies and, and gems of great value. Feathers falling, and people take these feathers, and, and as Bill Johnson, the pastor, said, uh, they, they take them home and, and they cherish these things and they keep them in their, their bedroom as if it's like the beginning of a, of a Forrest Gump scene, Right? Some of them have, have laid on tombs in a graveyard. Laid over top of people who have demonstrated the anointing of the Lord so that they might, they might um, soak up the anointing from dead men and women who have gone before them. Those things seeking manifestations at the expense of, of God himself just like these things. This isn't new. It's seeking explicitly tangible expressions of God's power and spirit at the expense of seeing who God is in, in what he actually offers us. And so Paul says, to, to this end, visions and revelations of the Lord. Okay, here's where I stand if I'm, if I'm on your terms in terms of boasting. I know a man in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will not boast. And so, here's the thing. He's talking about himself, right? And he's like, oh, 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 okay. We'll talk about, we'll, we'll boast on your terms. And so it's like an, an elbow, wink. Okay, I, I know a guy. And 14 years ago, he was called up to heaven. And he saw things that literally, I can't even tell you. And, and we can get caught up into like the third heaven and what, what was that. But basically he's saying, uh, the, the word for paradise is, is park. To uh, like the central hub of, of God's residing is what it is. And I saw things and I heard things, literally, that I cannot even speak, that shouldn't come out of the mouth of man. Fourteen years ago, I did that. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast. It seems as if he's been sitting on this for 14 years. And he's like, fine, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that happened to me. I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Now this is crazy, because what he's saying is like that, look, you can't imagine the revelation that God gave me. I literally can't even speak to you about it. But look, that's not why you should listen to me, right? Take me as I am. Like, you, you should consider the words that come out of my mouth and the life that I live before you, 
All right? And so he's not taking God's gift and making himself great. He's doing just the opposite. So, to keep me from becoming conceited, all right, puffed up, proud, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now look, you might be saying, what is that? And, and you would be in good company with uh, every theologian that's ever tried to figure out what it is, and, and here's the reality. We don't know. And some say, well, it was clearly Paul's blindness because it was an issue of, it was issue, an issue of the flesh, so he's indicating it was some spiritual ailment that, that kind of like, that, that prevented him from doing ministry. And so, so he asked God to take this away, and it doesn't happen. But it's some physical ailment. And, and some say, no, it's literally, he was chased around by a demon for the rest of his life. And you know what the answer is? I, I don't know. But, but I think if Paul and the Holy Spirit setting this aside for us, if he wanted us to know, he would have told us explicitly what it was. So, so sure, we can speculate and we can figure out that stuff or, or whatever, but, but at the end of the day, what Paul's saying is this. We have to look at the big picture, that God gave me a gift beyond measure. You can, nothing that you're going to tell me is going to compare with what God has given me. But at the same time, he gave me weakness. And he gave me something that, that, that humbled me. And so we read on. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that this, uh, about this. That, I, that it should leave me. But, but that didn't happen. In verse 9, but, but God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. And then we see, like, you might be asking, what are these weaknesses that he's talking about? And we see, right, with insults, those who come at him for his faith in Jesus, right, with hardships, things that happen in life that are just really difficult, bitten by snakes and being abandoned and all kinds of things. And then he goes on persecutions, those that want to kill me because of what I'm proclaiming about Jesus, and calamities. Those are the things that are just simply outside of the hands of man that happened to him. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, so I want to ask a couple questions and we'll kind of sift through here. The, the first one is this. Do you boast in good gifts from God? Do you boast in good gifts from God? Can you imagine receiving a gift? Something that someone gives you, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but, 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 but a good gift that they give you. And then can you imagine bragging as if you had anything to do with it? Look how great I am because of what I have. Why would we do that? Why do we do that? Well, I, I think it's because we bypass the giver and, and we live as if we are the gift. Um, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it as a gift, then why are you boasting as if you didn't receive it? So he's already been challenging them in light of this. You guys know uh, Shaq? Tall guy? Shaquille O'Neal? Familiar with him, right? So, so uh, I don't know, a year ago we saw him on a, on a talk show, and what he said was fantastic. 
uh, it was in light of money, and he said, he said a couple things. First, he said, of my kids, um, I want them to be better than I am. I want them to work harder than I have. And so you got to get two degrees to get the cheese. That's what he said, right? So you get two degrees, we can talk about maybe me giving you a little bit of cash, all right? And the second thing he says, one of my sons, he, he became of age, he, he got his license or whatever. And I said, son, I'm really proud of you. Uh, why don't you go get yourself a car? And so the dude's like, okay. So he calls a little bit later, he says, dad, I'm at the Mercedes dealership. Uh, I need you to come and pay for my car. And Shaq says, okay, I'll be there. So, so he goes there. And, and he, he walks in, uh, you know, the, the dealership, and he says, um, Son, I'm rich. We're not rich. <laughs> and he said, My son drives a Chevy, right? But see, Shaq knows what we forget. That just because a, a, a dad can, it doesn't mean that he does. It doesn't mean that he should. It doesn't mean that it would be best. Okay? Uh, God gave Paul a gift, an experience, a, a vision and knowledge and understanding of divine secrets not fit for humans to speak of. And Paul sat on it for 14 years so as not to boast in what came from God. Uh, David Garland in the New American Commentary says this, If the great apostle had to be transported to the place which he could not know by his own learning or climb to by his own strength, even with a guide, then I, and I would say then we, so tiny compared to Paul, must never presume that we can climb to the third heaven by our own strength and our own effort. We must acknowledge that every good gift is from the Lord, and, and it's not a matter of mere will or strength or, or, or our own ability. And you may not have been personally taken to the, to the third heaven by God and been shown indescribable mysteries of paradise, but, but look, when you look at your life, especially if you are in this room today, God has given good gifts to you. And you might look around and you say, yeah, but my gifts are nothing like, but, but that's not the question. The question is, has God given you good gifts and what have you done with those? We're so easily drawn to, to boast either out loud or within our own hearts about what's been given, about what we have, about stuff, about knowledge, about wisdom, about clarity of, of thought, about us in this room having sound doctrine and we know what we believe and we believe it to be true and, and, and we see a vision for, for who God is rightly and, and, and for us maybe we have like a, a church community that we embrace or we've been given grace. Gosh, can you imagine being proud and boastful about the grace that's been given to us or, or the spirit that, that dwells inside of us? Or, or if, if you're a kid, you might, you might consider like gym class and, and you're a foot taller than everyone else so you can swat them no matter what. You might say, look how great I am. Because you're a foot taller than everyone else, that makes you great? Look at my test scores. Look how great I am. God's given you a, a brain that functions clearly. You might not be anxious that, that you might be able to retain and see things. That, that makes you great. And so often, 
when we acknowledge those things, we're reluctant to be thankful. We don't let those things point us to thanks, to allow them to honor the giver, to use the gift, to to leverage it, to, to give to others or to be helpful to others. But we just let it puff us up as if we are God's greatest gift to humanity. And when we forget that, when we forget to be thankful that it's it's not something that we did, but it's something that that we've received, that that everything is from the Lord, when we forget that, then we demean others, and we overinflate ourselves, and we diminish God's grace to us, and we vie for for rank, and and we talk trash, and we, we demand, and we take those gifts as opportunity for us to feel powerful, rather than us to be humbled. Here's the thing, we don't, we don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. We boast in what we didn't contribute to because we have a void that we think success or competence or power or the upper hand can fill, but, but there is no amount of success or praise from man that can plug that desire in us. So if we could just be mindful and we can listen to ourselves and the people around us, we could, we could listen to where people are arrogant and, and we can discover where they feel the need to validate. And if we look at our own hearts and we look at the things that, that we're, we're what allows even today to look inside of us and say, that is an area. Well, why did I just say that? Why did I just self-promote? Because that's an area that, that I need to feel validated. But the reality is, I don't have to do that because Christ is all. And, and what I get to do is I get to acknowledge those things and I get to let them lead me to thanks and to worship, to use them to make much of the giver. But there's another side of Paul's experience which he shares. And, and God humbles Paul with nagging weakness, right? And, and as a preface, I, I, I quote, God does not delight in your suffering. Never think that he does. God does not delight in our suffering, but he does delight in our dependence because we were made to need God from the very beginning. And, and, and our greatest gain, no matter high or low, is when we remember that, that we were made to need God. So, so do you boast in good gifts from God? And the second question is this. Do you lament when God forces you to see your weakness? Do you, do you push against it? Do you mourn when God shows you how weak you really are? And I, I asked you at the beginning, when's the last time you said, I'm weak and I need help? Like even reading those words makes me tremble. That's the last thing I would want to say to anyone. I'm weak. I need help. Do you ever find yourself like uh, giving advice to someone and when you're saying the words, you're like, hey, that's, that's really good. That's really true. I should believe that. <laughs> hey, l- let me tell you something. And, and, I, and I say it. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I believed that to be true. Th- this past week, I had the... Uh, one of my children um, doing homework, and, and they asked for help. And so we went over, and Kim and I, we engaged, and we, 
we helped. And then that, that help turned to like, you know, I, I know. Well, like, you don't. Because yes, yes for help. <laughs> um, and then, well, this is the answer. Well, that can't be the answer because, what? okay. That, what, what, what am I doing here? Do it yourself. And then, then I said, uh, hey, hey, you know what? It's okay to be weak. You know that, right? When I'm saying that, I'm like, ugh. That's the worst, best advice I've said all week. It's okay to not have the answer. Do you know how free you can be? When you say, I'm not sure. Maybe you could show me. Can you imagine? I don't care if you're under 15 or you're 65. The freedom and the beauty to be able to say, I'm not sure. I I would love it if if you could tell me. But we can't do that. Why is that so difficult? Why would that have to be a thing to say, hey, it's okay to be weak? Because it doesn't feel okay to be weak. It doesn't feel okay to not know. We forget that humility is a gift which frees us from having to perform and having to consider the fear of man around us from pretending that we have it all together. Humility is a gift that we get to walk in. Because of the nature of all that we, we are weak, but beggars, helpless, in need of mercy and grace. And we have a theological category for that, but man, when it shows up in our life, for whatever reason, we can't, we can't let it translate into the deepest parts of our hearts where we say, I don't know, would you help me? I am weak. Sinclair Ferguson, he says, Humility is not simply feeling small and useless, like an inferiority complex. We often think that humility is like just getting walked on and steamrolled. Humility is just not saying where it is that that you want to go to eat when you're hanging out with your friends. I'm just going to take the high road wherever you want. No, I don't really really do that. I guess I'll just get a salad there, right? And we think we're being humble. But look, humility is not simply feeling small and useless like an inferiority complex. It is sensing how great and glorious God is and seeing myself in light of that. Look, when, when that happens, you don't have to say, I'm, I'm going to be humble today. I'm going to walk in humility today. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to treat uh, my gifts as opportunities to give thanks and I'm going to treat my weakness as opportunities to be dependent upon. When you have the mindfulness of who God is and how great and glory, glorious He is, and you look in the mirror and you see yourself rightly, you, you won't have to convince yourself to walk in humility. It's going to happen when you see God and you see you, and you see the only place that you can stand is, God, I need help because in my flesh, I am simply incompetent, unfit to do anything that you would have before me. And what I would say is, is there's no better place to be. No one likes to not have 
the answers or to feel inadequate, to have need. And the reason why is because we think that what we do is who we are. And if we can't do something, then we're failures. And, and I can't think of a more sinister deception from Satan and his band of cronies than to tell us that we are what we do. But the reality is, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. Right? And we're assuming that, look, that dependence is the goal. So no matter how difficult the, the journey, if you're, if you're clinging to grace and dependent upon God, there's no better place to be. And when we can acknowledge and when we can own and we can say out loud or, or to our, our heart, and when we can confess the places and the feelings and the realities that force us there to our weakness, then there is so much freedom. In fact, there is no better place to be than face-to-face with weakness. And there is no better place to turn than the one who became weak so that we might gain power through his strength. Look, it's, it's the good news of Jesus that he succeeded in, in every single way to do what the Father had for him. Where every failure that we've ever committed, Jesus succeeds in righteousness before God. And yet, he dies on the cross as a sinner, taking on not just the hypothetical sin of the world, but our sin, real life, so that we might be forgiven and by his resurrection. We get to live the new life that he invited us into, and by his ascension, he sends the spirit that lives inside of us, and he reigns as king. He invites us to walk in the righteousness that he paved for us. And all we do is say, God, I'm weak, and I need your grace. It's, it's the same news which allowed Paul to, to keep this incredible gift to himself, and it's the same news which allowed John the Baptist to decree, he must increase, but I must decrease. Who would say that in their flesh? No one. Pastor John Piper says this, the the ultimate purpose of God in our weakness is to glorify the kind of power that moved Christ to the cross and kept him there until the work of love was done. The deepest need that you and I have in weakness and adversity is not quick relief, but the well-grounded, confident that what is happening to us is part of the greatest purpose of God in the universe, the glorification of the grace and the power of His Son, Jesus. Is that how you think of your weakness? When you're broken and there's, there's nothing that you can do, is, is that what you think? But, but, but to God be the glory who's, who's rooting me in this confidence that whatever's happening to me is part of the greatest purpose of God in the universe that I might glorify the grace and power of His Son, Jesus, the grace and power that bore Him to the cross and kept Him there until the work of love was done. That's what God is building into our lives. So we have two ditches. We, we achieve success, whatever that looks like for us. And we, we forget God and we live like 
Like we're the greatest until one day you find out that, that life was never really about you and your greatness, but it was always about God and His greatness. Or the other side of the ditch, we suffer deeply. We discover our own weakness that there are things outside of our hands and we, we blame God and we live only to get through to the next disappointment. See, no matter what ditch you're in, you've been in, you will be in, for Paul, visions from God that, that have the ability to puff him up or, or thorns that lead him to being crushed in spirit, we get to be on guard against both of those things. When we are brought high for us, when we're brought low, we get to gaze at the weakness of Christ who endured to the end so that we might share in His weakness and we might share in the fruit of His work that one day we will get to see what Paul saw for a moment eternity. God desired for us to change the way we view success and the way that we view power. So when you see your weakness, when you see the end of your rope, what we get to do is we get to fight through to see Christ hanging on a cross, capable of destroying every enemy, and yet demonstrating His power and His might by carrying His purpose through to death, death on a cross for all who call upon His name. So what we get to do in success we get to let that success, even in the very moment, we get to let, uh, let it draw our hearts to thankfulness, to worship the giver of all good gifts. And in pain and weakness and despair, gosh, we get to shed tears. We get to cry out just as Paul did, take this from me. God, would you take this from me? Because I don't think that I can endure any longer. And we get to let that lead us to dependence in the one who offers good gifts and the one whose presence gets us through the weakest of times. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's no better place to be than face to face with weakness. And we get to pray today. We get to respond. We get to trust Jesus. And if you've never done that, right, we want to... We want to hear from you, all right? You can pray. There's a prayer bench over there. There will be a few people over there about anything. And, and it might be today, I, I want to, to live my life in light of this Jesus who died for me to forgive me of my sins so that I might have peace with God and eternal life. And it might be just a burden that you bear in this life. We'd love to pray with you about any of those things. For those who are in Christ, we, we offer a meal uh, with Jesus built on the, the body of Jesus his body that was broken, his blood that was spilled. And we, we do this regularly as often as we do to remind us of this good news. And so we take of the bread and we take of the drink to remind us and so that we might declare one to ourselves and to those around us that we live in light of this glorious grace that's been given to us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your power that's made perfect in weakness. Thank you that you demonstrate that on the cross, that your power, not to jump down and, and, and to, uh, to cast fire from the heavens or, or, or to, to annihilate your enemies, but your power made perfect in your weakness 
as you withheld, you hung on the cross, even to death. God, would you let that change who we are as we want trust in that to be your sons and daughters and to see the life that you lived and that you invite us into and by your spirit you empower us to demonstrate your power through our weakness. We need you today as much as we ever have in any moment. Would you make yourself known to us today in Jesus' name?